right, Father Hartman, what do we got? Well, today we have a very special guest. Uh, you mean friend. me? <laughs> well, you are Father David, but we also have Father David joining us. Father Hello. David, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Yeah. So Father David Paternostro, he and I have overlapped uh, in theology studies. So we got to know each other quite well over in Berkeley, California. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, in regard to homily prep, we both had the same homiletics professor, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, over Pope. at the Dominican school. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited to have you here. This is kind of a new chapter in the homily prep podcast having guests totally so we can uh, get your get your opinions and hopefully we can all get better at that preaching yeah. uh, did you actually preach this week for the 24th sunday uh i did not um so my situation here so i'm a doctoral student in philosophy at st louis university and so i am on the preaching and celebrant rotation at our university church but one of the blessings of having so many jesuits is it's uh, not regular that I'm at a Sunday parish. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of the same for me. We've got, you know, however many Jesuits here at Straight Jesuit. So our Sundays is only maybe once a month. Yeah. St. Louis is such a priest-rich <laughs> archdiocese in general. That's right. Not, there's, a, there's surprisingly little demand for, uh, for pinch hitters, for supply priests, and that sort of thing. Mm. Right. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, totally. It's kind of a blessing. Mm -hmm. What'd you preach on, David? Lugo? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I uh, so I started a new parish assignment this week, and uh, I'll be going there every Sunday. Uh, and it was great. So just to get out of the house, and I preached. So we had this gospel. This is part of the problem with year A, is that we had this gospel about a month ago in a daily mass. Um, yeah. And so I, I kind of recycled what I preached on then, and... Uh, what it was was basically pointing out how this is the the petition from the Our Father in parable form, of forgive us as you know as we forgive our neighbor, um, and so I preached on that a little bit, and I also and how terrible it is to think about how how I forgive others will be how God pays that back to me, but then turning that on its head a little bit and talking about how blessing how much of a blessing it's been to hear confessions and saying the ways I've been forgiven by God have made me a better confessor because I mm. want to overflow with forgiveness. Uh, and so thinking about my own experience of forgiveness should in turn inform the way that I forgive others. And so kind of exhorting people to go to confession. Yeah. Now, and that was all about the kingdom, huh? So we kind of got up. Well, he said the kingdom of heaven is like X, Y, Z, which is kind of our, oh, yeah. what's not kind of, it is our readings for today mm -hmm, for this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's an interesting, we, we kind of come across this quite often where they, I mean, they obviously are continuing from week to week, but is it a same theme that we're going to be playing with today? Like trying to work with and pray with and, and preach with about the what kingdom? Is that kingdom like? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I struggle with this parable for today a lot. I don't really know what to do with it. I mean, I, I do, I highlighted one of the things that you had pointed out to me before about pointing out how the kingdom of God is like. Uh, and in this case, it's like a landowner who went out to hire labor. So it's like the story, not like just the man. So mm -hmm. this story yeah. captures something of the kingdom, not just the kingdom of God is like a landowner. No, no, the kingdom of God yeah. is like this this encounter, this experience, which at face value, and I'm interested in what, what you, Father David, would say about it, because I'm struck by how kind of unfair this parable is. And I think that's often a way in which it's read is kind of being a little bit unjust, Um and how the landowner can be kind of 
seemingly unfair to the to the laborers. Well, what I uh, what I did one of the things that uh, Serge Probst over at DSPT tended to recommend was to hone in on uh, on a particular verse, essentially to do Lexio Divina and see like what is uh, what is jumping out. And for me, especially in light of the first reading where it's all seek the Lord uh, where he may be found, um, what really jumped out to me was when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers. Uh, hmm. And so the notion of uh, like just asking the question, like, how do I seek the Lord? How do I go out and find him? And then what Jesus is saying at the beginning of the parable is, to a certain extent, you don't have to worry. He's coming. He's looking mm. uh, for us. So it's mm. that the landowner who went out is uh, what I'm going to be zeroing in on. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. I like the the activeness in that. That mm -hmm. often we, we try to say, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to build the kingdom? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. here it's saying, no, the kingdom of heaven is like somebody who's going out to find you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that too because it puts the focus on the gospel less on the exchange, the economic exchange, the dynamics of how much you're being paid and more on, wait a minute, don't overlook the simple fact that the kingdom of God is like a landowner who goes out of his way to find people for his vineyard. So that like the focal point here is that the kingdom of God ultimately is God himself, right? That God himself, his presence is what we're after. And, and he, we don't have to look very far because he's doing all, a lot of the heavy lifting for us, you know? Well, like the psalm says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Like, hmm. is that something that we that we remember in our daily life? Not, not often. Um, and like such an emphatic statement, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the part of the question and part of, you know, what might be worth bringing up in uh, in the homily for next Sunday would be, you know, how do we remember the fact that the Lord is near and how do we uh, how do we make ourselves able to recognize the Lord when he comes? The rest of the work is done, but can we at least just uh, open ourselves and become receptive to, uh, to seeing God uh, when he arrives? Yeah, you know, and that seems to be what St. Paul is getting at in his letter to the Philippians. Mm -hmm. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. And I was really struck by the fact that he says, for, for to me, life is Christ. You know, I always, in my, in my own mind, you know, when I think of a phrase like that, I would, I would reverse that and just, and to say Christ is life. It's like, wait a second. What does that mean for life to be Christ? Yeah. Death is gain. Like that changes. And I don't know exactly what that changes, but it seems to change something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I like this line that we're going through because I think it, it's one way of preaching next Sunday that helps put the focus on how, how it is that God is seeking me as a person and I could exhort whoever's listening and myself too, to say in the spiritual life, am I shifting my way of thinking from I'm constantly having to find God in my life, find God in all things or letting myself be found, right? Letting myself be found to where I realize kind of like what you're saying, Jonathan in Philippians, like I end up realizing that my whole life is in Christ, not that Christ is in my life. I think we often talk mm -hmm. about how like, like Christ is a part of my life. I've accepted Christ into my life, into my heart. It's like, no, Christ has brought you into his life, into his heart. Have, have you become aware of your swimming in, in God's whole life? Like you're, God has already found you and brought you into his existence. 
Um, I don't know. I think there's a really cool way of exhorting someone to change their way of thinking there. And, you know, as, as we're talking about, you know, it's not Christ in life, but life is Christ. Then what comes immediately after is not the direction you would expect to hear. Like if you're saying, oh yeah, to live is to be Christ or life is Christ. Then you think, okay, well then death is bad, but no, death is gain. Mm. It's almost yeah. like it's a win-win scenario because of Christ. Yeah, that's mm. fascinating. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Uh, it really does change. I mean, the cross changes the game entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not fighting the same game that we were before then, yep. before our baptism. Is this something that yeah. could possibly be, could we like miss miss the, uh, not miss the finish line, but like sleep in a little too late and miss the race entirely? Because that's the sense that I kind of get from our first reading. Because mm-hmm. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him mm-hmm. while he is near. Yeah. Like that's, that kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think one thing that's interesting, Jonathan, about that is if you put, like, there's a temporal dimension to that sort of panic that's like, seek the Lord while he may be found because you may, you may run out of time, which may be yeah. true. I mean, there may be a reading like that, but it does go a little bit with the gospel to think about how over the course of the whole day, like, the, the vineyard is being tended to, and then by the end of the day, well, the vineyard master, the, lab, the, the landowner is coming and coming into contact with people all throughout the course of the day. But what's interesting is that he turns it on its head is that those who at the very last moment find themselves in contact with the landowner are rewarded, not less, but even, even more. So that might even just put a, what you're saying on its head that there, even in the final moment that there's never, it's never too late for God to be infinitely generous with you. You know, mm-hmm. that the longer you wait to convert doesn't mean that you're going to have less grace for you. It's like, no, no, no. God is even that much more generous for a soul that has been running away for so long. Yeah. So I think that's key. You know, see, I don't think that Isaiah is, I mean, he may be, I don't, I haven't researched this. Uh, But when we see something like seek the Lord while he may be found, I don't think it's putting the limitation on God. (laughs) I think it's putting Mm. the limitation on us. Like how long am I going to be open to seeking the Lord? Like my time is finite Uh, and I can, I can work and I can, I can do all that I will to close off my heart. And then Mm. all of a sudden I might realize that I need to be seeking the Lord and I just don't have the tools anymore because I've spent my life doing the exact opposite. And that's, um, you know, coming at it as a philosopher or a philosopher in training, I suppose it's, um, I do think there's value in bringing some of these philosophical concepts in. And I think that's why philosophy is such a major part of priestly formation in general. So that, you know, when we talk about openness, um, you know, and Father Nori Clark, great scholar of Aquinas, was big on, you know, receptivity isn't just I lack something. Receptivity Hmm. is a positive quality which has to be cultivated. It takes effort Hmm. to cultivate that receptivity. Like think of a, a spoiled child who gets a gift they are not receptive to the gift. It's as though they never got it if they just throw mm. it in the trash. Mm. Um, and so when we exhort people to, uh, to be open and to allow God to come to them, it's not just this passive hands in your pockets. Oh, here I am on the street corner. Um, but it's like, okay, the Lord is coming, but you've got to cultivate that receptivity and you've got a finite amount of time to do that. I like that a lot. And that seems like, uh, that could be, you know, one of the things that we like to do is like boil it down. Like what's our theme. And I think that could be one, 
Mm. How are we cultivating our own cells for that receptivity to be receptive? Yeah. Mm, I like that. Is there anything yeah. else that you've that you've kind of picked out that could be a theme, a theme, one of the themes? I could. I mean, so I'm going to go in a completely different direction for a second. Um, I I really like how. So the second reading reminds me, uh, Father David here will appreciate this, I'm sure. I, there's a great line in Hamilton, the musical, which Jonathan hasn't seen because Jonathan doesn't like musicals, but Father David I know does. And so uh, there's a great line in the musical Hamilton that uh, says, uh, dying is easy, living is harder. Um, and, and I appreciate that. It, it sort of puts a, a, a fine point on one of the guys who's very zealous, the protagonist in the musical wants to die a martyr's death and, he, and the wisdom figure says no dying is easy living is much harder and I think the second reading I think has something of this because I'm struck by that line that that St. Paul says that I'm caught between the two that I don't know which to choose to depart this life and be with Christ which is far better or to remain in the world remain in the flesh um, because it's more necessary for your benefit and so I I'm thinking about that as like the vocation of the Christian who's called to eternal glory and to live with Christ but it's also called to be in the world. And so the tension of the world and eternal glory is really on full display here. And I was thinking about that in terms of how that one line that I would never want to avoid from the first reading, which is my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. And how, how you can maybe fashion a homily around the idea that, of course, we're saying that eternal life is the goal, but sometimes eternal life is, is something that we, we accomplish and get to, we, we eventually come to, having sojourned for a long time because God's ways have us here for the sake of the other members of the body of Christ. Like that more necessary for your benefit really points me in the direction of maybe how you can exhort the faithful to, um, yeah, you're made to live with Christ, but it's not just wait till you get to heaven. Like there's a dynamic here, you know, of living now. You know, and I think that can be something that would be very important for a lot of people to hear, especially right now. You, you know, there's really is kind of an undercurrent of despair or nihilism sometimes even about just how things are uh, right mm-hmm. now in the world. Frustration with governments, frustration with world events, frustration with so many things. And, you know, you've got memes like the, uh, the sweet meteor of doom, which I'll confess to having laughed at that meme more than a few times. But it speaks to a desire of, you know what, this is just awful and I don't want to be in this world anymore. And yet we have this challenge from the Lord. It's like, no, no, you're, you're here and I want you here and uh, you're going to have to do some stuff in my service uh, mm-hmm. in this world, engage this world. Yeah, and it's not unrelated to the first theme that you guys are talking about, which is the cultivating receptivity because – like, it's not just hold on and wait until the end, and then I'll bring you into my glory. It's like, are you receptive to me being present here and you being in my life mm-hmm. in the world? Like that, like the Christian vocation is incarnational, that, that yeah. the kingdom of God is the church, it's us, it's creation, it's, it's much more than just heaven in the detached sense. So like, I mean, I, I tend to go to this hallelujah verse often, but like, I'll open your hearts to the Lord. Like there's the cultivation of receptivity. Um, you know, open your hearts to the, to the word of God so that you might realize that in the midst of your daily living, God is calling you to live in this tension of, need, of being made for heaven, but being missioned into the world to find God in all things or whatever the, the trope is, you know, but mm-hmm. there's something there that you could really hone in on of, of bringing those two things together. Yeah, I like that. And it seems like there's a, 
you know, we're, we're still talking about, especially in this cultivation theme of, in a sense, being subservient. Like it, what we do is for our benefit, not for God's benefit. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that line in, in, in the second reading that Christ is not in our life. Life is in Christ, is Christ. Yeah, and that's, it's something important to point out, like who is, who is benefiting from this? I'm, every now and again, I do like to, you know, remind uh, the audience of my homily, my congregation, uh, whoever I'm preaching to, God is perfect. Nothing of any of this is for God's benefit. He's not receiving more love. He's not receiving more goodness. This is purely for, for the benefit of, uh, of us. Uh, and mm. which means also there will be consequences if we fail to seek the Lord while he may be found. Yeah, I, like that. I love that. I love it. So we, when we keep talking about cultivating receptivity, is there something to be said about what is the vineyard? So we're, we're sending laborers yes. into a vineyard mm-hmm. uh, and the laborers tend, are tending to the vineyard and the vineyard needs to be cultivated. <laughs> so like, is there a way of reading yeah. the vineyard as the hearts of individuals? Like we're sent to cultivate hearts, you know, to make them receptive to the Lord. Absolutely. Um, yeah. How do we, how is it that we can make other individuals? And this is, you know, if we want to talk about the church as the body of Christ, uh, mm. you know, what does it mean for me to help another person believe more? And it, that kind of goes against, I would say, especially the American instinct of religion and faith is a very private and individual affair. Mm-hmm. But the classic Catholic understanding has always been, in a sense, salvation is a group project. Yeah, how we're working at this together. And the image of, I mean, the vineyard itself is such a beautiful image. Like a grape is not an individual fruit. Hmm. Uh, It comes in bunches. They are, by definition, in a community of sorts. I also don't want this line to get lost in the fray, but I one of the things that I highlighted in the gospel, it's, my friend, I am not cheating you. I, I just love hearing that from God. Like there's something about, about, first off, he calls them friends. Uh Um, But then also like, you know, going back to that, uh, that line from Isaiah that my ways are not your ways, but how often might I feel that God is cheating me? (laughs) It's like, God, I have given you my life. Like I've given you so much and this is it. Like, like this is this is kind of slim pickings here, you know, whatever it might be. Like I might be going through a hard time, you know, mm-hmm. in my priesthood or in my vo- vocation to a religious life and my vows, and I might think, God, is this really it? Like you kind of cheated me, Lord. Like I thought it was going to be bigger than what you what I imagined, and it turns to be out much turns to be much more ordinary. Um, and I could feel like God is cheating me, and just hearing that phrase from God is very consoling. Yeah. Uh, my friend, I'm not cheating you. <laughs> like there's, anyway, I don't know what to ma- else to make of it, but it's just a, a very striking line. Well, I do love in that line how it starts off with my friend. Like before anything else, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. let me remind you of our relationship, mm. uh, and then and then we can talk about everything else. But first, remember that you're my friend. Mm. I do love yeah. That. Could you boil it down for us? Could you boil it down to what you would summarize and maybe have the yeah. final word here? Well, you know, I do I do really like, as you know, I like these kind of parable stories and parable-like stories, which I think uh, we're, we're, we have here because I love using our imaginations. And I think these, these imaginative tools that Jesus can use are exactly what we need. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of them are lost on our own modern sensibilities, but kind of coming back to a a realization of them, I think is hugely important for each one of us, you know, however far along we are on our faith 
journey. Um, all of that is to say, I think I'm really, I've really been, I didn't really have an idea coming into this, to be honest, <laughs> of mm -hmm. where I was going to go. But I really do like this image of us being that vineyard. Uh, mm. And I love that line that God sent them into his vineyard. Well, that's us. I think there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot that could be said for building up myself to be a good vineyard, to be, some, yeah. to be someone that not only allows God to work, but allows you know, our community, my family, my friends, my, the people that I work with to come into the vineyard. Any final thoughts for you guys? You know, as, as we're cultivating, you know, I, going back to that, my friend, like what it is that we're cultivating receptivity for, we're trying to establish a relationship, that friendship. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad, uh, David, that you brought that line up because, uh, that's definitely going to stick in, uh, in my mind as I prepare, mm. uh, my homily, I actually am preaching next Sunday. So, yeah. nice. uh, I'm Very good. thinking about that. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Father, Father David, Father Nostro. Uh, Very certainly welcome. a pleasure. Pleasure. This conversation could go on and I hope it does. Yes. So maybe we'll have you back one day.